0: So, I uh, want to try to speak about a few of the, the sutras of the Vedanta and explain them on the basis of Srimad Bhagavatam. As you know, the uh, Vedanta Sutra is um, the effort of the to, to, to show how all the different diverse, as they appear, statements of the Upanishads had a, a single uh, message and purport, uh, direction that where we they're driving their their readers. So it was an important compilation on his part. Vedanta, of course, means the anta or the end of the Vedas. So the conclusion of the Vedas, what it comes to, ultimately, the point it seeks to make, or the end of the Vedas. Where that's found, those Upanishadic dictums and whatnot. Um, and the sutras sutra means thread, among well, other things. So he took a thread and threaded together all the Upanishads, you could say, to show what he meant to say in codes for some reason. So that they would need to be explained. Or so it was thought. But actually Chaitanya Mapu had the insight which he based on Shastra Praman. Shastra Praman is what? What is Shastra Praman? Evidence from Shastra. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, he had insight and, he, of course, he supported it with scriptural evidence. His insight was that there's no need for commentary on Vyasa Sutras because a commentary has already been written by whom? Vyasa himself the author of the sutras has written a commentary and it's called, today, what? Srimad Bhagavatam. And it's interesting that he made such a point and he cited evidence. What's the evidence that he cited? More difficult question. Who can say? Yes? Is it the first verse. No. It, it starts with... The, no, no. no. Guru Purana. Purana. What does he say there? Guru Purana makes uh, some uh, statements about the Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam. It says, uh, Brahmā-sūtranam means that Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam, speaking about Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam is Brahmā-sūtranam. Uh, it's a commentary on vedanta right Sutra. so on. Glorifying Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam is the essence of the Mahābhārāt. It's a commentary on the Gayatri Mantra. It's the Sama Veda of the Vedas. And it's a commentary on the Vedanta Sutra. Now, you can find this out. Those of you who are interested in this, which is supposed to be all of you who are here. More information about this, now a commentary on what? Tatpa Sundarbha. right, there. And if, what is the first part of Tatpa Sundarbha? Vrajya Sundari. You don't know? What is the Tattva Sandarbha? Do you know? It's. Have you read it? I've read it very quickly. quickly Okay, you have to read it more. Study it. It's meant to be studied. First part of Tattva Sandarbha is uh, all about uh, the uh, importance of Srimad Bhagavatam in terms of revealed literature or Shastra Praman, what is the best kind of evidence? And it was the opinion of Mahapuru and therefore the opinion of Jiva Goswami and he demonstrated it there through his logic that srimad Bhagavatam was the best most conclusive evidence to cite in support of whatever you might want to say. So so Shrimad Bhagavatam if you find any more information about Guru Purana, is cited there among other, Puranas glorifying the Srimad Bhagavatam. So it's a commentary on Vedanta Sutra by the author. So Mahaprabhu's reasoning, why is there a need for any other commentary? Hmm. When Vyasa has given it. And so uh, we should be able to explain the from um, Srimad Bhagavatam. Prama is another name for the Vedanta Sutra. goes by several names. Uttarmi Mamsa, Brahma Sutra, Vedanta Sutra, Badarayani Sutras, and so many different names. We heard the other day, what, 550 Sutras. Just really terse Sanskrit half-codes, not even sentences, really. It's made up of four chapters, each of which has four divisions. The first two cover Gan. So what is Sambandagyam? Gupal. Knowledge of the relationship between the environment and Krishna. Yeah, you know, between the j G- what is the jiva in relation to the world? What is the jiva in relation to God? What is God in relation to the world? World in relation to God. Knowledge of re- of the relationship of things. Hmm? How things work together. Something like that. We call it a conceptual orientation. That then fosters a certain type of action, which in our case is what's the action that follows our conceptual orientation. See? Mm-hmm. Devotion. <laughs> Devotion, right? Bhakti. Hmm? So the first two chapters of the Vedanta Sutra they cover the Sambandha Gyan, and the second uh, and the third chapter discusses the uh, the what? So what comes after Sambandha? Abideya. Hmm. And in relation to our conceptual orientation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, is devotion or better stated bhakti, hmm? Krishna bhakti. And why? Why is bhakti better stated? Because devotion doesn't call the, cover the whole gamut of bhakti. Right? It comes to pray, ultimately. So, then, fourth chapter, of course, deals with what? Obviously, Prayojan. Prayujan, which means uh goal. The goal, the fruit, the ideal, right. Prayujan. What is the prayojan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? Mm. Prem. Say Prem, prayojan yeah. <laughs> So I'm not trying to intimidate you all but just to you know, keep you keep your attention. <laughs> so you can't make a mistake. Yeah. You make a mistake if you don't. Make an effort to be embarrassed. Being be embarrassed is okay. We're here for that. And bodily conception of life is an embarrassment. <laughs> we can suffer some embarrassment on the way out. That's not a problem. It will be good for us. So we have the Sutra, and we have four chapters, and and we have Bhagavatam as the natural commentary. And this is the kind of thing that I believe is, uh, to me, is characteristic of our sampradaya. It makes these like, common sense points that just nobody ever thought of it like that and yet it seems so obvious, which is in one sense the very nature of bhakti itself. I've cited a number of times the example given of Pujapada Sridhar, Murs of Alexander the Great and the cutting of the Gordian Knot and how no one could do it and he came and just cut it with a a knife and everybody said, oh, anybody could have done that, but nobody thought of it. Or Columbus with the egg and said, whoever stood an egg on its... And would cross the ocean. So, so many sailors tried to stand the egg and they couldn't do it. And He took the egg and just went, made a little crack and stood right up. Hmm? Of course, he sailed the sea. So, they say, so, bhakti is something like that. As I said before, also we're running on the two tracks of Bog and tiag, Bog and tiag. What does that mean? Do you know? Uh, enjoying nantan. Yeah, right. So, And that could be said, in other words, it could be said, mine and I, Hmm? or karma and gyan, the my conception, and the I conception, or internal, I'm everything, everything's mine, I'm everything, it is me, it is mine, something like that. So, you know, it's bhaktis, right right in the... It's so down to earth, in a sense, so close, really, to us that it doesn't seem like anything special. It seems almost undesirable to serve and to have and to know. That seems really extraordinary. Our ideal, of course, is to is to have the one who knows and owns everything. That's a much more logical uh, approach than trying to own and trying to know everything. Love the one who knows and owns everything. Nice verse from the Gita, Pujapachita merges to cite, this regard fifth chapter and the last verse. Bruno knows it. Right. Krishna says, Bhoktaram I'm the enjoyer of all sacrifices. Uh, Sarvalokam Maheshwaram, I own everything. So it sounds a little bit intimidating. He owns everything. Everything's meant for him. Nothing meant for me. Nothing for me to own. Then the third line comes, Suhridam sarvabhutanam," which means, Suridhya. Yeah, friend. I'm the friend of everyone. Everyone who accepts this principle, even if they don't, but more friendly if they do. Friends, of course, are supposed to speak in a straightforward way. So if we're doing the wrong thing, they come right out and get on our case. So, but if we're friendly with him in terms of the reality, in being the owner and control of everything, then what is the problem? We become the friend of the person who owns and controls everything. This is bhakti. It's so like full of common sense, which of course is so uncommon in the world. It's making a connect, such a close connection to our human, so closely I should say, connected to our human experience of pursuing love and emotion. Hmm. Wonderful. So, at any rate, it's uh, nonetheless easy, easy to miss. So, Srimad Bhagavatam is the text that Vyasa wrote in his maturity for the express purpose of just saying it in no uncertain terms, bhakti, bhakti, bhakti. You know, this is what it's all about. So this must be, according to Guru Purana and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his followers, what the Vaidanta Sutra is ultimately about. So, as I say, we'll go through a few of the sutras and, and see if we can speak about them in relation to the Bhagavatam. So the first sutra is who knows what it is. What? Atato Brahma Jignashu. So, atah. Atah, atah. Brahma, Jignashu. So, the first two words are now, therefore. Now, therefore. So they imply that it's a uh, further discussion. It's a furthering of something that's already been discussed now. In other words, having said that, therefore, the conclusion is Brahma-jagnasho. Hmm? Brahma means... Of course, the sutras go on to define what they mean, but we can jump ahead. Brahman means... Well, what does it mean? It means Brahman, but actually it means something more than Brahman. It means Param Brahman. And Jignasu means to inquire into that. Inquire about Brahman. So the, what this follows, this is again, under the name for Venata Sutra, is Uttar Mimamsa. Mimamsa is like, what, like a discussion or a treatise. And uh, what precedes it is the Purva Mimamsa. Purva means like in the beginning and then Uttara in the end. So, in one sense, this means now, therefore, having come to the end of the Purva Mimamsa, therefore, the conclusion is that we should inquire into Brahman. So, that Purva Mimamsa deals with what? All types of um, material acquisition, on religious terms or religious life. How to conduct oneself in the world and color all of one's activities with some sense of God-consciousness with a view to improve one's material situation, to go to heaven, and so on and so forth. So, what does Bhagavatam say is the conclusion of all this. There's a nice verse here. Dharma sihi apavargasya. Dharmasya hi apavargasya narto dayo pakalpate nartasya dharma ikantasya kamolabhaya hi smita. Dharmasya hi apavargasya The only real purpose of dharma, the conclusion that you're supposed to arrive at by adhering to dharma is apavarga hmm? that you should go beyond the material world Apavarga means liberation, you Now. Mukti is not a favorite word of the devotees nonetheless it is a topic of Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam and it's defined in a way that will satisfy the hearts of the devotees. mukti rhin phanyata svarupena vastiti Sukadeva has described it and uh, explained it in where he describes the ten subjects of Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam. Where's that? Who could say? Where does Sukadeva Goswami describe the ten subjects of Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam? Well, I'll give you a hint, it's in the Srimad Bhagavatam. <laughs> uh, it's in the second chapter, second canto, in the tenth chapter. And what are the ten subjects of Srimad Bhagavatam? We can volunteer a few of them? So, uh, sarga visarga, Sarga, which means? The first creation and secondary creation. Right, so manifesting <laughs> of the elements and then the arranging of them by Brahma. Sarga v uti, manvantar uti creative impetus so like the desire on the part of the living entities that keeps it going cosmic ages of manu manvantar, yeah um, And more so the lord's pastimes uh-huh. or the pastimes of the avatars that's yeah. an important point why is it an important point? it's an important point because the Krishna is the ashraya, the shelter of the other nine, and so the avatars, he's the shelter of all the avatars. Which means, put it in another word. Krishna is mm-hmm. If all the avatars in their pastimes are one of the subjects, one of the nine that are the sheltered ashrita tattva, of the one ashraya, which is Krishna, then... We have our point again, our main point of Sigma Bhagavatam. So we've got Ishanukuta, Manvantar, Uti, Sarga, Visarga. We only have five. Poshana. Poshana. Protection of the devotees. Poshana, six. Something about kings? Hmm? Something about kings? Hmm? There's the Manvantar. Oh. Yeah. Let's see, well, I'll go for some easy (laughs) ones. Mukti, Mukti, right? We're discussing that. There's the Ashraya the shelter. Krishna. Krishna, that's the tenth. So it's two more. And there's sthanam, maintenance of the world, and niroda. You got visarga, you've got stanam, you have got sthanam. You have niroda. Mm-hmm. What's niroda? Yeah, the winding up of the whole thing. So these are the ten subjects of Bhagavatam. And it's mentioned in the second canto, tenth chapter. And they're mentioned again somewhere else in the Bhagavatam by another speaker of the Bhagavatam. Who can say who that is? It's all in the Sutta Goswami, twelfth canto, of Srimad Bhagavatam. He again reiterates them, all the same. Hmm? Maybe slightly different way he talks about them, which helps you to get some insight into what the topics really are about. So, Mukti... He's one of the subjects of Bhagavatam. And again, it's not a very pleasant word for the devotees. Who can you cite a devotee who really didn't like that word? today? Who didn't like Mukti? Sarvabhoma charja, yes. Mukti. What context did he not like Mukti? You're quoting a verse from Bhagavatam. He didn't like the verse? He changed the last line. He changed the last line. Jiveta yo mukti Pade sadaya bhaka. What did he change it to? Bhakti. Jiveta yo bhakti sadaya, sadaya bhaka. And what can we say? Can you give any purport of that? Yeah. The, I think one of the that we said the real meaning was that muthi serves at the feet of bhakti. Mm-hmm. Right, and therefore... It's okay. Mukti pade, Mukti at the feet of, of the Lord. In other words, Mukti is included in serving the feet of the Lord. But in relation to the chapter which that appears in, in Chaitanya Charitamrita, can anybody tell us give us some other insight? Sarvob had been converted. Oh, say First Mahaprabhu tested him to see if he had um, overcome karma by coming. Mahaprabhu came really early and gave him prasadam before he'd washed his mouth or anything, and so then... So his was... bhakti was karma on not covered by karma. In other words, do you... Wait, well, well, first I've got to perform my ritualistic duties, and then I'll take the prasadam. He just took the prasadam. Mahaprabhu was very happy. Right. And this one shows that he's, his bhakti is not covered by yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. So, uh, <clears throat> he didn't like that sound of mukti, but Prabhupada gave him another idea, and of course Bhagavatam explains it in a devotional way. It says, mukti o hitvam swaru-bena-vavastiti. So it's a twofold affair. It's removing the negative influence of karma and becoming situated in one's positive Position as a servant, swarupena vivastitihi, to become situated in one's swarup, one's own nature. So it acknowledges we have an identity. Hmm? While it also acknowledges there's an identity that we have to get rid of in the context of realizing our actual identity. Hmm? Removal of the false identity becomes situated in the actual identity. So, when Bhagavatam here says, dharma sihi apavargasya. The whole, the real goal of all of the performance of one's dharma, if you really did it right, it's all supposed to be leading ultimately in the direction of mukti, liberation. And um, if you executed it all perfectly, but you don't, don't get that, you really didn't, didn't get anything out of it, and really there's nothing to be gotten, right? Because whatever you acquire by karma marg is all. Here today and gone tomorrow. Hmm? So, the inquiry that we're sutras encourage one to make is into something of permanence. Actually, the whole idea of inquiring, atato brahma jignasu, so inquire into Brahman, it implies that there's something positive to in- inquire into. It's not, you know, like European metaphysical or philosophical terms, via negativa. It's not like a negative theology. Hmm? Inquire, you have to inquire with your... Well, really, you have to inquire with your whole being. The nature of that inquiry is stated in Srimad Bhagavatam. Bhagavatam says, Satyam param dhimahi, Satyam param param dhimahi, Tene Brahma, Vidayadikavye, first verse of Srimad Bhagavatam. Tene Brahma, Hridaya, Adikavi it can be understood in a couple of ways, but one way is that Tene Brahma Ridaya Adikavi. The Adhikavi, the original poet, Brahma, the firstborn, was Tene Brahma, infused with Brahma, means Brahman, spiritual knowledge in his heart. We know this happened on a couple of occasions. One is at the dawn of creation. Krishna infused within his heart all the Vedic wisdom. And also during the Brahma Vimal and Leela, he also infused within his heart wonderful realization, Tene Brahma, special. So that's kind of, that's not ordinary Brahma or Brahman. And Bhagavatam says that same Brahman that he was infused with, Satyam Param Dimahi, that should be meditated upon may also be rendered that that Adi Kavi is Vyas, the original author, poet, who wrote all the scriptures. Hmm? And he was infused within his heart with Brahman, which was what? The realization of Srimad Bhagavatam. He was told by whom? To do what? Narada, to do meditation. He said, Samadhi Nanuswarat tam. You're qualified to go sit in Samadhi. Hmm? sabhikop samadhi Hmm. realized the positive nature qualities of the absolute and he did and therefore he wrote Suman Bhagavatam and see what it's all about Krishna Leela ultimately culminates in so the Kavi was infused with Brahman so this is what kind of Brahman is this that Bhagavatam says satyam param dimahi this satyam param supreme truth param means param brahma it's qualifying that brahma is param brahma so, brahmeti, parametniti, Bhagavaniti Shabdite. The Lord is described, absolutely described in three different ways. When we say parabrahman, then we speak of Bhagavan, hmm? the Supreme Brahman. And satyam param dimahi. The Bhagavatam says in the beginning, satyam param dimahi. What does Bhagavatam say in the end? There are twelve canons of the Bhagavatam. There's thirteen chapters in the twelfth canon. There's twenty-three verses. The nineteenth verse says, satyam param dimahi. Hmm. we find the same thing at the beginning of the Bhagavatam as we find at the end there at the end in the 12th chapter it says Brahma was infused with spiritual knowledge Hmm. more or less says the same thing and then satyam param dimahi and then what does it say two, three, four verses later it ends final verse of Bhagavatam it glorifies namsan kirtan, harisan kirtan so we can understand that the Bhagavatam is about uh, satyam Param deemay. this is its avideya. do meditation upon the Supreme Brahman. And the Dimahi is in the plural, <coughs> hmm? so it implies what? That the many are to inquire about one, and they, this is the way they are to inquire. As Vedanta Sutra says, Tato Brahma now is the time to inquire about Brahman. Bhagavatam says, Satyam Param this is how you make that inquiry. It's by, by meditation, ultimately, on the Absolute. I mean, you hear and so forth, and then you take up the practice. And that meditation is on the part of many, on the one. And it may also be understood to be a plural meditation, which is synonymous with what the Bhagavatam includes. And that's a final note. Harisankirtan. There we looked at the Gayatri commentary, Pujupati Sri Divarjan. What do we find? That, uh, Konat he says, Gayatriya is a song of deliverance, Gana, Triate, deliverance. And so is Sankirtan For so the flute sound of Krishna, is that any different from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Murdangam and Kartal and uh, Sankirtan in the street? No. This is the same thing. So a plural meditation by the many Jivas on the one absolute. And this is the most comprehensive form of it, actually. Adi Sankirtan. Jaya Sada Parivabdhamma Later in the 11th canto, they're also describing Chaitanya Mahabhubullah. Praktisadam Saracataka comments like this. This Sankirtan. Jaya Sada means Neemahe. It means Nam Sankirtan. That's how he's worshipped the deity of the age. So inquiry into Brahman. Hmm? Now is the time for inquiry into Brahman. So this is the nature of the inquiry it's satyam param Dimahi. this is the Brahman, it's the Param Brahma. So who's qualified then? Who's it speaking to? So it's following the Purvami Mamsa, where all the discussion of Dharma is, so it implies anyone who's passed through all of that can inquire then about Brahma. But we find a problem with that explanation. What is that? That we find people who have passed through the Dharma Margaran, or followed it perfectly, and they don't develop interest and we find people who haven't passed through it, and they develop interest. So the Bhagavatam seeks to help us. What does it say? Shushu shau shraddhānasya vāsudeva kataruchi. syanmahat sevaya vipra puñatirta nisheva. In this very same chapter, second chapter, the first canto, shushu shau shraddhānasya vāsudeva kataruchi. syanmahat sevaya vipra It tells us, first of all, syan mahatsevaya, by mahatseva, mahatseva. What is mahatseva? Service to great persons, to great souls, to sadhus. Hmm? By service to them, one develops an interest in harikata, which is the satyam param that we are to do dhimahi on that we are to gather together in madness and beat the drum and the cartoon and sing about, hmm? and have the house ta- transformed into the loka Vrindavan. The key is there for sadhu-saṅga. Hmm? Bhagavatam says, if you want to taste, shu shu, shu yeah. If you want faith, to do anything you have to have faith in it, right? The reason you can't do the karma mark is because you don't have any faith in it, because we've destroyed that. <laughs> Bhagavatam destroyed it by preaching. We have faith in bhakti because we've heard from sadhus, so we can tread the path. So by association with saintly persons, one develops the adhikar, the eligibility, to inquire, the interest, the faith, to inquire about Brahman. Now, it's if you have all good qualities and have lived a very religious life and all, and so that's to your advantage. But the, the karma mark is so indirect that People have no idea that the goal is upaparaga. You, know, you want to go to heaven, right? Come back down, go again. Come back down, go again. Hmm? But Dharma Sthiti Upaparagas, uh, says. It says we should live our life only because it gives us a chance to inquire about Brahman. Another nice verse here. Verse is one of my favorites. avata, tattva jignasu, the old translation is better than the new not that I'm one of those guys you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, this happened to love the original translation kamasya nendriya priti nendriya priti means love of the senses hmm? desire to, you know, to live a life of sense loving uh, life should not be lived for that for the pursuit of sense gratification but rather it should be lived hmm? jiveta jivasya tattva jivnasu it should be lived. Jivasya It should be lived. Life should be lived only because it gives us the chance to inquire about. Jivasya jignasu. brahma jignasu. Because it gives us the chance to inquire about its ultimate purpose. Life's desire karma Life desires should never be directed towards sense gratification whether human life should be lived only because it gives us the chance to inquire about the absolute truth. Jīvasya, tattva, jīgnāsū The truth about the jīva is the truth about Brahman in terms of sambandha right? Again, we've already concluded that the Brahman is not, that we are not Brahman. The meditation is of the many on the ones. Jīvasya, tattva, jīgnāsū Brahma jīgnāsū. Human life should be lived because we should live for good company so we get the chance and interest to inquire about the absolute truth so these are a few uh, statements from Bhagavatam that help us show well, I okay, can't explain the first verse the first sutra based on Bhagavatam there's much more to be said but are there any questions? you were saying how Atato, you said there's a few ways that it could be you know, coming after the organ of the mm-hmm. So that's the way it could start. And you said something else also. And I was thinking how Prabhupada says... Human I, life. I've always heard Prabhupada say, you know, now, now means now in this human form of life. And then he would say, species of life. You know, you can do it in human life with his company, <laughs> with sadhu sangha, then it's possible. But he used to... What he used to say is that now means human form of life, but he also used to say human form of life means religion. Without religion, you're not a human. You are a pashu, in the language of Bhagavad a two-legged animal like a monkey so if you're religious then you're actually living human life because human life gives you the chance to you know, to be religious to inquire about God hmm. so that kind of ties the two together doesn't it Brahma who follows Dharma Jignasso but it should be clear that not without Sadhu Sangha if you're going to inquire that's where you're going to inquire from the Sadhu <laughs> you have to have the Sadhu even if you get the interest to inquire, well, without approaching the sadhu, you're not going to get the answer. So, all right then, we'll stop there. Continue tomorrow morning. ki jāi.